A recent political cartoon shows the world spinning out of control due to war, anarchy, nuclear threats, mass migrations, economic chaos, and so forth. The planet just seems to be in more trouble than ever. We live in delusionary times. Here's a few biblical terms to describe things. When people's hearts have grown cold and hard, evil is wickedly celebrated as good and good depicted as evil. People are doing what's right in their own eyes, just as in the days of Noah, when people's hearts were continually bent on evil, and as in the days of Sodom. Nevertheless, Judgment Day is approaching when there'll be no cover-ups, no excuses, and no way to evade truth. So let's not be fooled by godless technocrats who claim mankind can somehow skirt around God to achieve immortality through their own devices of artificial intelligence. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. In a spoof on the exponential rise of artificial intelligence, the satire site called The Babylon Bee published this article recommending that all the world's nuclear codes should be given to AI for safekeeping. Meanwhile, futurist and former Google engineer Ray Kurzweil claims humans will reach his definition of immortality by the year 2045. Keep watching the space if you really expect that. Allegedly, many of Kurzweil's predictions about technology have been accurate. A couple of decades ago, he predicted that by the year 2000, the world's best chess player would lose to a computer. And it happened in 1996 when Garry Kasparov was beat by an IBM supercomputer called Deep Blue. One year later, 1997, Another record was set when Deep Blue defeated Kasparov in a match under tournament regulations. Amazingly, these chess engines can calculate millions of positions each second to determine which move will turn out best. Now Kurzweil believes technology will become so powerful that it will help humans to, as he put it, live forever. He believes it's possible for humans to achieve immortality due to age-reversing tiny robots called nanobots that repair damaged cells and tissues as the body ages. Supposedly, ever-growing technology will make humans immune to diseases, and thus the elusive quest for immortality is held out as a mirage of hope. Mankind at large still refuses to face the fact that humans are mortal and that death is inevitable. However, the good news is that eternal life is promised in the Bible to anybody who has the faith to believe in the merits of the Savior. So which do you think is the better deal? 
to be forgiven of all our sins through the atoning merits of the Savior and to be given a new immortal body like the resurrected body of Jesus that will live forever or to exist as some sort of transhuman artificial intelligence. Well, I'll take the perfect immortal body that will be able, like the resurrected Jesus, to walk through walls, enjoy meals, and travel through time and space. Don't forget, the resurrected Jesus did all those things. And in John 14, 19, he has promised that because he lives, we will live also in new immortal bodies. Meanwhile, in their AI evolutionary quest, the technocrats see no difference between a brain implant and using other devices like eyeglasses, hearing aids, pacemakers, or dialysis machines. To them, brain implants are just another progression. The concept of nanomachines being inserted into the human body is a constant theme of science fiction. Meanwhile, many people rely on drugs, medical devices, and surgery at some point in their lives to combat sickness or disease. But despite these medical advances, lifespans are shortening, cancer rates are skyrocketing, and rare diseases are becoming more widespread. A documentary by the title Altered Humans, How Biotech is changing who we are, probes the moral and ethical questions surrounding new medical technologies. The documentary asks, does progress for the sake of progress really move the needle forward for us as a species, or are humans merely unwitting victims of medical experimentation? Meanwhile, Elon Musk, co-founder of OpenAI, has warned that we must rein in artificial intelligence before it outsmarts us all. Both Musk and Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak warned that technology is locked in a race that's out of control. But the secular futurists haven't figured into the equation the imminent second coming of Jesus, the King of Kings, who of course has his own agenda for the future. The secular prophet Yuval Noah Harari boasts that through technology, humans can become gods. Harari is famous for saying that the majority of people on this planet are just useless eaters. They're disposable entities to toss into the rubbish bin of history. However, the New Testament reveals God's vastly different and compassionate perspective on us human beings. John 3.16 declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. The technocrats are heartless in their depopulation schemes, but God is all-loving, and he commanded mankind to be fruitful and to multiply. Furthermore, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the what? The lost. So while the cold-hearted elite power brokers envision depopulation, by stark contrast, the Savior so loved the world 
that he deliberately forfeited and substituted his own life in God's plan to die on Jerusalem's cross as a ransom for human beings so that all our sins can be forgiven with his own sinless blood, Jesus, Yeshua, purchased for us the free gift of eternal life. He bore our punishment. What a savior. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, the quest for upgrading mankind and creating super intelligence, becoming like gods, is an ancient ambition going back to the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. When Satan deceived Eve into thinking that she could become like God, if she willfully ate the forbidden fruit. And after all this time, lost sinners still are dreaming of reversing physical death through various medical and technological advances like transhumanism. Atheists who reject God assume they can go around him because they don't believe he exists. But God Almighty has decreed that all humans will die except for the generation of believers privileged to be alive when Jesus suddenly returns in the clouds at the future imminent Bible event called the rapture. There's a spiritual law explained in the Bible in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus the Messiah, our Lord. Even though believers face the possibility of death continually, Jesus defeated death for us. He conquered the grave and rose again, ascended to the Father, and presently is seated at the right hand of God. Because he triumphed over death, Jesus holds out to us the promise of the free gift of eternal life to anybody who will receive him as Savior. His resurrection was not a result of advanced medical technology or bioengineering. His resurrection was the result of divine power. In fact, Jesus made a startling statement in John 10, 18. He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down voluntarily. I am authorized and have power to lay it down, and I am authorized and have power to take it back again. This command, Jesus said, I've received from my Father. According to Bible commentaries, this remarkable statement probably refers to the Lord's commission at the time of his incarnation. He asserted in fullest terms the voluntary nature of his one sacrifice. He asserted his power not only to lay down his life, but also to take it back again. So we should guard against the mistake, which is often made of understanding this commandment, as only laying down his life. Jesus clearly stated that his authority extended to also taking up his life again, which he did. While the new technocrats who speak of achieving immortality can't bypass God's laws of sowing and reaping. You see, the Bible teaches three vital certainties in life. Number one, the wages of sin is what? Death. Therefore, death is certain. It's inevitable. Number two, hell is a dreadful reality. And number three, the Bible teaches that God has graciously provided mankind the Savior. Only Jesus the Messiah has the power to save us from the penalty of sin. 
although the Bible teaches that sin results in death. Nevertheless, death is not the end of existence for human beings. Our spirits, our souls will exist forever, either with God in heaven or apart from God in hell. The Bible teaches that the human spirit survives death, but the body does not survive death. Yet the Bible says God imparts immortality to believers' bodies at the resurrection. The New Testament teaches that God grants immortality to humans who trust in him. In 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter, the Apostle Paul explained that the human body that's sown in the earth at burial is perishable and mortal, but it will be raised immortal, imperishable. At burial, it's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It is sown in the earth in weakness, but it's raised in strength. In other words, it's sown as a natural body, one that's mortal, suited to the earth, but is raised a spiritual body, immortal, suited to the climate of heaven. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. So the New Testament teaches that immortality is a gift from God. The body will be upgraded at resurrection. Think about this. According to 1 Peter 1 in verses 3 and 4, an immortal inheritance awaits believers. Because Peter wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we learn that immortality will occur at the resurrection when believers receive new imperishable bodies from the Lord. Theologians teach that immortality is not the same thing as eternal life. Immortality is the state we receive in the future, but believers receive the gift of eternal life now, the moment we trust the Savior for salvation. How wonderful. Isn't that extraordinary? No religion in the world offers eternal life except our Bible. For John 17, 3 declares that this is eternal life that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So eternal life consists of a relationship with a person, Jesus, the Savior. And what about unbelievers? Let's not be deceived nor avoid the truth that Scripture says unbelievers will exist forever, but they will exist in hell apart from the life of God. That's why it's my hope and prayer that everyone watching this program and within the sound of my voice will have the wisdom and good sense to put your trust in the world's only Savior, Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. He'll never fail you. And throughout eternity, you'll be thanking him for the cross and for accomplishing on the cross what we couldn't do to save ourselves. Each week, as we examine the many accumulating signs of natural disasters, mass casualties, and 
end time prophecies coming to pass, we realize that the world is being shaken. And this alerts us to the reality of the soon return of Jesus. The study of Bible prophecy opens up a whole new world of wonder as we see prophecies predicted hundreds or even thousands of years ago being fulfilled in our lifetime concerning Israel and the nations. No other religious book makes such a claim, but Bible prophecy proves the reality and divine nature of this book. If you are a believer, and I pray you are by now, this is our season to rejoice as we consider how God's plan for the first coming of Jesus unfolded exactly as predicted to secure our salvation and our future. And now we can rejoice that the prophecies of the Lord's second coming will come to pass in the same manner because God is a promise keeper and his word will not fail. But if you're sitting on the fence, please consider the witness of Bible prophecy to the veracity and reliability of scripture. Who but God could write such a book that predicts future events coming to pass in exact details? I challenge you to look into these truths for yourself, knowing the lateness of the hour, that it's high time to wake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day of the Lord's coming is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Amen. Well, in Bible prophecy news in Israel, temple activists continue to make headlines, attempting to sacrifice a lamb at the Passover holiday. Normally, in a Jewish state, there should be no real controversy over biblical sacrifices. But the hegemonic spirit on the Temple Mount is afraid of the advancement of Jewish activities and end-time prophecies, and therefore, in an attempt to somehow try to keep the peace, a rabbi at the Western Wall has put a ban on the entry of animals into the area, representing the organization called Returning to the Mount. Activist Raphael Morris issued a statement urging the government to allow religious Jews to fulfill what he called the important mitzvah commandment to perform the Passover sacrifice. Morris's movement handed out flyers in Jerusalem's old city recently, promising financial reward for those arrested by police while attempting a Passover sacrifice. The movement offered $700 for anyone arrested on the Temple Mount with a lamb and more than $8,000 for a successful sacrifice. Such is their determination. The struggle continues, and everybody who follows Bible prophecy is watching this space. In other news, Danny Dayan, the chairman of Israel's Holocaust Memorial, Yad Vashem, says Holocaust distortion and trivialization are on the rise around the globe. Dayan's remarks come at a time when Multiple European countries are seeking to whitewash their roles in World War II by highlighting their heroes and at the same time attempting to downplay or deny the actions of their national collaborators who supported the murder of the Holocaust, six million Jews. Diane said, the good news is that outright Holocaust denial today is marginal. 
No serious person denies that the Holocaust really happened, except certain lunatic fringes on social media. But he said, on the other hand, there's a very worrisome rise in Holocaust distortion, which is no less disturbing. Diane pointed out multiple governments and groups in European countries that are actively promoting an outright historical fallacy, he said, that their countries only helped Jews during the Holocaust while denying their own collaboration with Nazi Germany. Yad Vashem bestows the honorific title righteous among the nations upon Gentiles who risked their lives to save Jewish lives. However, Diane noted a troubling trend in that many groups or governments in Europe are now highlighting the righteous among the nations while obscuring or denying that there were many, many more collaborators than righteous. And he said, this distortion is an affront to the victims. Diane added that most European countries don't excel in looking into their past and recognizing their sins. The easiest way to remember the Holocaust, of course, is to commemorate the righteous who helped. But Diane said nations should not just look into the good that some did while downplaying the horrendous acts that their people committed. Amen. In other prophetic news, the celebrity status of Satan in the USA is another troubling in time trend. Time was most Americans were repulsed by the devil, but now tragically Satan is being eagerly welcomed into homes and hearts all over delusional America. In fact, Prophecy Newswatch reported that Satan has become one of the hottest spiritual figures in America. According to a Newsweek article, the devil is front and center in movies, TV shows, podcasts, even, unfortunately, children's books. On Netflix alone, there are dozens of titles dealing with hellish demons and Lucifer. A sold-out convention in Boston, Massachusetts is billed as the largest satanic gathering in history and unashamedly promises a weekend of blasphemy. The Satanic Temple is the organization hosting the conference. It has more than 700,000 registered members. And in a sinister case of First Amendment rights, Satan after-school clubs are attempting to compete with Christian good news clubs. Meanwhile, much time, energy, and resources continue to be expended on confusion over sex and gender. Both the Bible and Christian tradition refer to God the Father in masculine terms and with masculine pronouns. Jesus referred to God as Father in numerous Bible verses, and Hebrew verb forms describing God's actions are masculine. Psalm 68 and Isaiah 64 refer to God as a Father. The prophet Isaiah and Jesus do compare God to a mother, but most of these passages involve a metaphor illustrating depth of feeling more than feminine identity. For example, in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus said metaphorically, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. However, the entire witness of Scripture demonstrates that God refers to himself using masculine pronouns. American churches are 
increasingly bearing the brunt of anger and aggression driven by pro-abortion and transgender ideologies. The murder of six persons at a church-run school in Nashville, Tennessee, was so far this year's deadliest violence against churches in the USA. The number of anti-church attacks last year had already tripled over four years, according to the Family Research Council. Besides the 28-year-old transgender's deadly attack on the Christian school in Nashville, a 27-year-old man identifying as a woman set an historic church building ablaze in Portland, Oregon. The suspect claimed to hear voices compelling him to violence. In the end, that church had to be completely demolished. The rising tempo of anti-Christian assaults includes not only arson, but bomb threats, vandalism, and sacrilege. Assailants attacked churches 69 times in the first three months of this year. That's compared with 24 similar acts during the same period last year. An alarming increase of 288% under the cause for concern. All of this tells us that Jesus is coming and in the meantime, returning to the subject of immortality rather than trying to achieve eternal life without God. I'd like us to consider the resurrection of Jesus as the foundation of our faith. You see, the Apostle Paul said, without the resurrection, all preaching would be in vain. The resurrection was God's seal of approval upon the great work that Jesus came down on earth to accomplish. The resurrection was the crowning proof that the ransom Jesus paid for sinners was accepted by God. The atonement for sin was accomplished and finished. So I encourage you to believe in the doctrine of the resurrection and the atoning blood of Messiah. I encourage you to believe in the complete satisfaction which his atonement made for sin and the impossibility of being saved except by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Let's take heed at all times in all of life's journey to know that we're resting our hope, faith, and trust on the Lord's substitutionary death for us at the cross. Let's be sure we're trusting in the Savior alone and in his atoning blood. To sum up, there's no doctrine more important than the doctrine of Christ crucified. By Christ crucified, we're speaking of the doctrine that Jesus suffered death on the cross to make atonement for our sins, that by his death, he made a full, perfect, and complete satisfaction to God to redeem the ungodly, and that through the merits of his atoning death, all who believe in Jesus are pardoned for all our sins, however many and great they are. We are entirely forgiven forever. Hallelujah. Now, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to be a part of the conversation with me on social media. We also invite you to visit our website, exploits.tv, where you can click online to receive our weekly email, and you can learn about our Holy Land teaching tours, and you can watch all of our videos 24-7. Don't forget also to download our free Jerusalem Channel app, where you can view our video library and Please don't forget, subscribe to our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site 
and my new Substack. Until next time, I'm always going to be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark, Maranatha, and Shalom. In my years of ministry in the Middle East, I've had deep spiritual conversations with many followers of Islam who shared with me one overriding experience. They all had, at one time or another, a dream or a vision about Jesus. And when they do, they have no doubt who he is or why he appeared to them. It's been my joy to document some of those heart-to-heart encounters of Jesus in the Muslim world in my book, Miracles Among Muslims, The Jesus Visions. This has been out of print since its first edition in 2006. But now, for the first time, we've made it available to read as an ebook. Check it out in the bookshop at Amazon website. And if you have a heart for the Muslim world, I believe this book will be an eye-opening encouragement and great blessing.